And I think that this offensive line, just looking back in terms of the overall development, depth, the whole nine, is one of the best that Penn State's been in that position in a, in a while. In my experience, a lot of the success that I've had in college and in the NFL has been the most dominant dominant offensive lines that I've been a part of. We've all been best friends. Like all the starting five, we were just like, that was our click. That room is sacred. Like the offensive line yeah. room is sacred, dude. Like we know we're going to win the game up front. If we do our job, we're going to win the game. Quarterback sneak right side. What's up, everybody? If you are a college football fan like me, if you know a college football fan that's in your life, you need to go cop this shirt. New designs dropping all the time. It's the perfect gift with the holiday season coming around. If you don't have this thing, you're missing out. Great material, great fabric. I wear it all the time. Go get yours today. Back again, uh, doing our off-season highlight. Got my man B-Bell here. You guys are in the pocket with us. Um, and we're we're chopping O-line up today. We got a great guest coming on, Ryan Bates. Uh, he was a puppy, played with us, uh, played with Brandon a little bit longer than me. He played with me for a year, um, I think. But, um, you know, great, great player. He's doing his thing up in Buffalo. Unfortunately, they they had an early exit, but um, it is tough to win in that league. So um, he's he's got ha- he's going to have some really cool insight on offensive line play in general. Might get a little nerdy for you guys, but it's really good stuff. Um, then he's got a couple couple funny stories about Penn State, a couple of his favorite memories, and then, you know, ultimately how integral he thinks Steve Troutwine is for the development of our linemen. Uh, got a lot of respect for him. So wanted to highlight that before we dove into it. But, B, what's up, man? We got some news. Wanted to cover a little bit of news, cover a little bit of NFL, and then we'll dive into this We'll dive into this offensive line play from this past year. Yeah, man. Uh, what's going on, brother? I'm good. Good. You know, another another week down, you know, Almost into February already, this thing is moving. It's moving quick, man. I can't lie. Dude, we're rolling. rolling. (laughs) You said it, man. The Bills, you know, it took a tough loss to the Chiefs, but it just brings me to, like, the Super Bowl is two weeks, a week and a half from now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's right around the corner. This thing is rolling fast. Football is almost done, although I think we have spring football this year, which, you know, that should be fun to watch at least – you mentioned it, man. It's tough to – I'm sure Bates will touch on it, but Mahomes, he's kind of in that don't bet against me type of thing, you know, that Tom Brady was in, uh, even when he's up against the odds. Yeah. I really like Buffalo in that matchup, but, you know, Mahomes and those guys that came out on top. Dude, he he's – you know, he makes plays when he needs to make plays. And Josh Allen, I, I feel for the guy. He, he, played, yeah. he played his ass off. The back half yeah. of the year up into this point, like – Played his tail off, but he just can't get over that hump, man. Um, yeah. But uh, it is—it's—it's it's a very, very tough league to win. People, people say it, but and it's cliche a little bit, but right. you got to understand it's—it is. You've <laughs> been there, you've done that, you've seen it. It is—it is very hard. I've <laughs> that league. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of, uh, like we talk about that margin of error. College football, you know, the better teams, it's quite slim. And in the league, man, it's paper thin, any and each down. And you never know what's going to be, like, the deciding factor. 
I got buddies who who talk all the time. Like they're like, you know, they bet and all this stuff. And like, how the hell is the worst team in the league beat the best team in the league? Like it happens every year. Right. Like right. middle of the year, week 12, week 13, something like that. The bet, like someone loses that they shouldn't lose. And right. I'm like, what you guys got to understand is, is like that, like it's not like, uh, like, like Appalachian State beat Michigan. Like it's not like that. Like right. it's literally like. <laughs> The best team that probably just doesn't have something going their way or, you know, they're not really a cohesive unit or whatever. They're still really freaking yeah. good. Yeah. And, like, they can, beat, they can beat anybody. That's the beauty of that league. Any but, given Sunday, baby. Yeah, I mean, it truly <laughs> is. That that truly is the case. But, um, yeah, and Detroit, dude. I, I watched that. I watched, that's the game I probably tuned into the most. And, like, mm-hmm. Baker was playing his ass off. I think he missed his first throw. Yeah. Missed his first throw with like two minutes left in the second quarter, um, and I just that those Detroit guys didn't flinch, man. Jared yeah. Goff and Campbell, they didn't flinch. That's a dangerous team. Um, it is. And you it, felt it, that momentum shifting a little bit in that game when Tampa was like, okay, they got a chance, and yeah, they scored right before halftime. You know, yeah. they were all back. Like there was that, that was that was a big momentum shift, and they were able to overcome that. Yeah, to um, so Detroit's credit, I mean. We've seen teams, you know, falter in those moments. They let that momentum take, you know, take over and they can't rebound from it. But Detroit, you know, they stood the ground, you know, and um, and that once that offense gets rolling, man, it's it's fun to watch. I'm, I like I like to watch them on TV. Yeah. Yeah. So that so they're getting it done. We got we got a couple of good weeks of football here ahead of us. And then in some other more immediate Big Ten news. We got our guy Billy O going coming to Ohio yeah. State and, uh, and running, running, running the offense over there. That's that's pretty interesting, huh? Yeah. See, to me, it's interesting outside of the Ohio State picture. Which I mean, kudos for him. Um, I just didn't think he was ever going to step back down to college. To be honest, I thought he may once he got back up there, he was going to chill up there. But you know, opportunities come where they come, and. He's got some pieces to to work with, you know. Ohio State's garnering a lot of uh, transfer portal um, attention, so he'll definitely have some pieces. He got some quarterbacks to figure out, but yeah. you know, if anyone can do it, he can. Yeah, that <laughs> went from like a head scratcher quarterback room to like arguably maybe the best quarterback room in the country. Yeah, yeah. He, um, I don't know, man. Like, I, 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 I saw what you were saying there, but I always thought that if he did come down to college, it would be for another head job. And I just feel like he's at that point in his career where it's like kids are getting older, you know, wife. Like I always respected Billy. He was phenomenally focused on football when it was football, but he also had that switch. And I think he gets it. Yeah. Like there's more to life than ball, which I, which I love. And I think, I think people who are really, really good almost are, are, are towing that line and are a little sick. In that sense, like yeah, no, for sure. Football controls everything, and that, I mean that's what it takes to be great. But um, there's something to be said too about guys who 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 see the balance, understand it is a game, and I think Bill does have that. And I think to your point, I mean, I think stepping into Ohio State, it's I mean, he basically is stepping into another NFL locker. <laughs> it's that's just you know, it's just in Columbus, which isn't an NFL city, but um, I think. I think he'll do well. I think he needs to do well. Just coming off the year that he had in New England, um, if he does ultimately want to get another head job, I think it's going to come down to you know putting together putting together something. Finally, 
finally getting in a national championship or, you know, in the case of a Super Bowl, it's awesome stuff. You know, he's the only guy to play for, to coach under Nick Saban and Bill Belichick and not win a Super Bowl or a national championship while wow. he was there, which is pretty, yeah. pretty <laughs> tough. <to get. laughs> but, I know, right? But, he um, came at like wrong points in time under those coaches. <laughs> I guess, dude. But, you know, some, some may say it. You know, there's one common denominator there, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna roll my <laughs> that. So, um, you know, I'm hoping I'm hoping he does well, gets over that hump, uh, half-heartedly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, what are the chances we get him on here, Ohio State week? <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we're gonna have to jump through some hoops and the yeah. Ohio State compliance to be able to get that done. But that would be that would be pretty funny. Um. I might have to make a trip over to the visiting team. Yeah. Columbus is not a bad city. Like I said, it's not an NFL city, but it's not a bad city at all. A lot of people enjoy it the most out of uh, any city in Ohio. Uh, I've yeah. heard that a lot in my time in Cincinnati. It's like, oh, no, Columbus is the place to be. I've traveled there uh, briefly in and out. And it's, it's a pretty cool city, especially for a college town. Uh, yeah. It gets, it gets moving a little bit. Yeah, Buckeye I definitely I running down. They got a lot yeah. of pressure this year too. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. they say pressure makes diamonds, so we'll see if they can get it done. Um, you Ryan know, Day and the boys. I talk very highly about Ryan Day. You know, I still I still do. I got I got respect for him. Um in a lot of ways. I guess but, it depends uh, what's going on with, you know, their rival and uh Coach Harbaugh if he stays or leaves. A lot of buzz right now, him and the Chargers are heating up. We'll see if that uh, comes to fruition. But to your point, the pressure is on because Michigan just they beat everyone. <clears throat> they're looking to repeat. I think regardless of who's there, they're looking to repeat. And I'm not sure what their chances are, but if Ohio, let's say Ohio State was to fall to a Michigan and they're down season, it, that's that could look scary for everyone on the Buckeye sideline. Are you paying too much for health insurance? Too busy to read long, complicated policies? Well, guess what? Here at The Pocket, we got a solution for you. Madi Health. Patrick Madi, former letterman. He's doing a fantastic job in this industry. He leverages years of expertise to build a customized health insurance policy for you and your needs. Individual plans, family plans. Patrick ensures you get the best protection for your health and budget. Madi Health, one broker, endless solutions. Now offering up to $500 cash bonus for every Every customer referral. So quit overpaying for your health insurance. Visit modihealth.com to schedule a free consultation with Patrick himself. There's an argument to be made that Ohio State or Michigan, sorry, won without Jim this year for half of their season, which, you know, that's very true and a valid point. And I'll, I'll give anybody that. But I think it is hard um, to overcome that. And especially when you see like, I mean, look at Alabama, like Nick Saban steps down it's like this mass exodus. And then you yeah. go out and you get a guy who coached in the national championship game and they can't afford to come in. It's like, kids are running away from that. It's like, nah, like it's probably a pretty good situation to be right, in. Right, right. I don't think many things are going to change, but you know, it, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out in the next couple of weeks. Um, could, could, could uh, move the needle for a couple of yeah. things. But you think uh, Saban is done? We're talking about family aspect and coaches and living their lives. And Saban's a lot older. I always tell people you got to watch his uh, football life. NFL Films did it's great doc, just highlighting like the commitment he gave to the game or has given to the game. And he talks about his kids and the things he's missed in their lives. And 
it's tough for sure. We know the commitment that goes into coaching. Which- we I've mentioned this. We got the chance to 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 interview the athletic director at Alabama um, when we were up at the national championship game two years ago when I was doing some stuff with the field of 68 and we were the sub brand, the field of 12 for covering college football. And uh, he just brought a lot of unique perspective about saying mm-hmm. like he, at his core, he's a football coach. Right. Like, like the guy, the guy said, I got, I got the job. My, my office overlooked the practice football facility. And he goes, there was, a, they were running like a little kid camp there at Alabama at the time. And he goes, I'm looking out and I see, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of, you know, nine, 10, 11, 12 year old kids, you know, doing football drills and this and that. And he goes, and I look out there and I see the straw hat coaching the hell out of them. And it's like, some guys have that and he's definitely yeah. one of them. And he, you know, like you mentioned, gave up a lot, but I think at his core, the game and times are changing to the point where like, I think he's feeling that that aspect of it is becoming less and less prominent at the college level. Yeah. And that's probably a big factor. I don't want to speak for the man, but right. I think that's probably a big factor as to why his time is, is now. And I think he's yeah. just going to go enjoy that new house he bought down in Florida. He's going to fish his ass off golf a little bit and yeah. have a good time. And, you know, he's a goat dude. Best yeah. ever done. See, I, I say I give, I give him a year and then he'll get a call. It may not be college football, but yeah. I don't know. I don't I'm know. sure the itch will still be there, but I don't think it'll be any major capacity <laughs> if he does anything. I don't think it'll be I don't think it'll be game day, day to day stuff. You mm. know. Um be cool as hell if he got in on like a high school level down there or something like yeah, that. Yeah, change the game, you know. So but you know, we'll see. So with that, let's let's shift gears here. You know, like I said, we're doing our we're doing our, our season reflection series, breaking it down. Uh, by position group and the offensive line, right? We did D line last week. We're going to do O line this week, starting the trenches. Um, Bates and I talked a little bit about it, and you guys will hear that here soon. But it, to me, like this this roster and the way that we built it, and we keep beating the same drum here, but like deepest it's ever been, most talented it's ever been, like top to bottom. Um, he mentioned Steve Troutwine, the job he's doing, and and I think having a consistent figure in that room has been really good for the development of these guys. You know, a lot of these guys have only been under Steve and Bates talked about it. Like he came in under Herb Hand, was then with Lime Grover. So that when you have different philosophies and there's like a million ways to skin the cat, people think different things and technique about playing the offensive line position. It's probably one of the more diverse positions from that standpoint in football. Um you know, there's there's some negotiables there depending on what you have. And I think just having consistency there has been really good for us. And I mentioned this, like we were kind of a jack of all trades when it came to like identity, right? Like we we were zone scheme, we were gap scheme, we ran counter, we ran, you know, our 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 our, our toss and our our edge our edge run game. Like yeah. we ran so many different techniques and so many different schemes that like it was hard to really zero in on our bread and butter. And I thought Overall, we were a very efficient team running the football, but we just lacked some of these explosives. And that, again, could play into some of the stuff with the running back room, whatever. I don't think that was the case. But um, I, 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 people complained about them. People talked about it. You know, they, they were this, like, pass pro the whole night. I thought, they, I thought they played really well. I thought they were physical when they needed to be. And I think it's really hard. It's an easy position to over-criticize and point the finger at, but it's yeah. really hard to understand all that goes into it. And I think outside looking in, big picture, this year 
you know, they're starting to turn that corner. And I think they're starting to get back to that consistent level of expectation of greatness and dominance at the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, Olu is a perfect example. Kid who's been through the system was unbelievable. Stayed. Yeah. <laughs> it be the first tackle taken. Yeah. You know, I think we're just going to continue to reload there. Um, and I think we need to. If, yeah. if, if the foundational shift that we're talking about is going to happen, I think it starts in the trenches. We've said this over and over again. I think this offensive oh, line is on the track that they're on. Um, but that's my overall thoughts on that room and the way that they played. I think we're going to zero in on some stuff with Andy Koltanecki in terms of what he wants to do and just get these guys coached up the right way, get them really confident, and get them tight. Bates talked yeah. about it. It almost yeah. has nothing to do with football in that room, and I said this too. It's like a sacred room, dude. Like the offensive linemen are weird as shit. They're <laughs> Always. They're my favorite guys to hang out with. But – they are their own thing. And mm-hmm. when they're their own thing and people understand that and let them roll and they're confident in what they're doing and they know that this game is won or lost on our backs, uh, it's it's a scary thing. And I think yeah. when you look at the teams that have that, the Michigans, the, 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 the Georgias, like you can make the argument for Alabama still, you know, mm-hmm. like they're really freaking good, man. And uh, I think we're right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you said it. It always starts in the trenches, whether uh, we, know, we know it's not the most glamorous position, so the stats don't ring off and people don't want to talk about them. But you just said it. The top programs over the last – the history of college football, football in general, it yeah. starts up front. If you want – you know, we want all want the offense to be, you know, new and new and improved, it's going to start up front. As like you said, replacing Olu. You know, we got the transfer – Kid no. coming in, we'll see if he uh, steps into that role. But, you know, there's some young guys, I'm sure, that are hungry for that. And that's what we talk about, the competition part. We're deep. But if everyone – if we just have guys in spots, that doesn't mean anything. These guys have to compete. And as we said before, with the quarterback room and any room, iron sharpens iron. So who, what are we going to do to get that best product out there to ultimately get this this offense new and improved, revamped, like we said. And it's, it'll be fun to watch. Definitely starts up front. And I'm, I'm interested to see what that identity kind of morphs into with uh, Coach Kotelnicki. As we said, we struggled to find it this past season, but we we saw glimpses of, like, you said it every week, you know, we're a ball control offense. You know, we had the, the guys up front to kind of, you know, I won't say yeah, dominate yeah. the line of scrimmage, but, yeah, you know, grind it out. Yeah. I was there. Like, we stay on schedule. You yeah, know stay I mean? on schedule. Like, we weren't as explosive as, like, even the 26 – like, probably Saquon had a lot to do with that. Like, oh, that's yeah. nothing against Nick and those guys. And oh, yeah. But, like, Saquon was a different bird, dude. Like yeah. he, he made a lot of plays for him. So. You, you gave him the ball 20 times in a game. Like, he's going to rip five big ones off. Yeah. <laughs> like, anywhere. Right. So, you know, I think that had a lot to do with it. But – these guys, man, and again, I think it goes back to the common theme of what we talked about, like the whole team, right? The, yeah. What we want to see from this whole team this offseason, it really has nothing to do with physical development, really even scheme. Mm. It's like you said, it's just six inches between their ears. Like, and I think if this offensive line group gels fast, everybody else will fall soon. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. I mean? the, bulk, the Definitely the bulk of the puzzle. Um, yeah. And you mentioned, I mean, uh, the quarterbacks, I'll mention both guys, uh, they have to be in those rooms. And like you said, the O-line's their own thing, but you were right there with them, you know. 
uh, you know, an extension of them. And I think the quarterback, I think, has to be an extension of every every group, you know, in some form or fashion. You, you really will, you know. Yeah, you got to – you got to intermingle. You got to mold. You got to be a chameleon of sorts when it comes yeah. to being able to relate to a lot of different guys. And I think that's because yeah. like yeah. the whole line is a lot different than the receivers. Not I mean, though. I definitely talked to Deshaun and ha- hung out and had fun with Deshaun in a lot different manner than I hung out yeah. and, and talked to Angelo Mangiro. Right, and there's nothing wrong with that. The way it is, like it's just right, it's, right, right. And if you want to have a guy. At the court, and I think that's where Drew can make a lot of strides too. Is just like being able to ingratiate himself across the roster, across the different rooms. And yeah, I mean, if I was him, these boys up front, especially getting like Nolan Rucci in, a guy who came from a who comes from a program in Wisconsin that has had a ton, a ton of history and success from an offensive line standpoint. You know, maybe getting some of that perspective and, and bringing yeah. that and how how quickly does he not feel weird about like pressing some of those lines. Right. Like, I think that's the other thing too, is like being open to change and being open to different thought processes and how to get things done. Like, yeah, not that Penn state hasn't been good. It's just like, how can we take some things maybe from Nolan's experience up there at Wisconsin that could help us be better. Right. Or so I almost think the development of this room really is not X's and O's or like scheme. You Mm -hmm. know we're losing a big piece. Let's get another one in here. Let's get tighter and let's let's be the let's be the focal point for the entire mindset shift in this yeah. program. And that's what that's the type of power an offensive line room has. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to hear uh, Bates's you know opinions and what he uh, his experiences playing O line because I hate O line. You know, as a, as a linebacker, you know, more an undersized. That that's the thorn in, in my uh, in my tail, you know, fighting those guys off, getting off, shedding blocks. Uh, but I always enjoyed Bates, and like you said, he was a young pup, came in, but had a few good seasons with him. Loved him. He's a warrior, you know. At the end of the day, it's about who you want to go to war with. You know, uh, last week our guy Windsor got into it. You know, he was he was fired up, but it was true. I mean, who do you want to go to war with? <laughs> and Bates was definitely one of those guys. So I'm excited to hear from him. Yeah. We'll get to that right now. So without further ado, Ryan Bates. So as promised at the beginning, we got my guy, Ryan Bates. He was a young pup when I was there coming in, uh, and now he has blossomed into a beautiful, burly man and killing oh. it up there in the NFL. I am um, super proud of him, dude. He's he's had a hell of a career. Uh, it's tough to win. I'm sure he's hurting a little bit after this past weekend, but it is tough to win in that league. And um, he's been a part of some really successful teams. So Bates, uh, I know you're coming off it, brother. We'll we'll try and not hit that too hard. But uh, really proud of you, man. Happy for you taking the time. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me, dude. So yeah, like I said, you were a pup when we came in. We're we're highlighting the Penn State offensive line, and Brandon and I throughout this whole year have kind of highlighted like the ups and downs and turmoil and turn turnover of this program really in the last like twelve years, which is hard to find like uh, a case study in the history of college football um, of what this program's gone through and how quickly we've rebounded and all this stuff. But, you know, you came in under her hand. Um, you were a, if I remember correctly, a bit of a project guy. What were you about 270 coming in 280? Oh, oh yeah. I came in probably about 270. Um, they had me about three, up to 300 and probably about like four months, five months. Yep. Throwing ice cream in my, 
in my shakes, drinking those Dr. Pete's chocolate milks. Um, yeah, phenomenal. It's insane how much calories were in one chocolate milk. Uh, but yeah, they got they, they threw weight on me quick. I uh, got there my freshman year, summer 2015, and uh, I was a project guy. They, had, they didn't know whether to play me at guard or center, and so I they had me at center my first year, and then they moved me at guard the second year, and then I wound up playing tackle the last two. So, exactly. Was- Did you, uh, and you were always like a really phenomenal athlete for like how, like in terms of like short area quickness, pick your feet up and down. And like, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I, I spent a lot of time watching like the younger guys. Cause I knew like at that point in time, the younger guys were going to be the guys to ultimately you mm-hmm. know get this going and get it going. So like you Saquon, Mike, like all these guys. And I, I mean, I lived with Mike, I lived with Saeed. Yeah. So, um, just watching, watching how you worked. And then you're, you're now with, uh, with, with a very close dear, almost like big brother of mine and Noel LaMontagne representing you. So you, um, you fit the bill, man. I'm, I'm really proud of the career you had at Penn state. And like I said, everything else going on. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, man. But I, um, I want to talk about this as well. I want to get your perspective on just offensive line play in general. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, you know, again, I'm a quarterback guy. But I'm a football guy. I love football, and I have a lot of a lot of uh, opinions or or theories on like offensive line development, mm-hmm. especially at the college game, right? And I think you're you're going to be able to just because of everything we just highlighted, be able to really paint a really good picture here. So I think the way the college game has kind of developed into this, like you know, we're just going to slide pro man, basic pro when we can like get the ball out of the quarterback's hands fast, a lot of zone concept run game. You're not really getting a ton of gap scheme unless you go to like Wisconsin or a couple of these really traditional programs. When it comes to playing offensive line, it's almost like just being a really good athlete that can handle the other athletes on the outside, which are getting better and better. And like the technique and fundamentals of being a solid offensive lineman from a scheme all the way down to, like I said, the technique and like blending that together is lost a lot in the college game. And I feel like you start getting it in the NFL game, but it, it makes the development hard. And then specifically at a place like Penn state, we talked about all the turnover, you know, the coordinators and all that stuff. But I've also mentioned how position specific turnover has been, has been something that not an issue, but something that we've had to overcome over the past, you know, seven, eight years. And you came in under Herb Hand. you played Mm -hmm. for Limegrover. And then I think there was another guy in between Limegrover and Troutwine. I've, Again, I'm, I'm, I may or may not be right or wrong there. But anyway, three or four guys since James has been there at that position group, there's there's something to be said about that too, just a common voice being able to get something into you. So kind of outline everything I just hit there. I know it was a lot, and I have diarrhea in my mouth sometimes. But I think, it's a, I think it's a good conversation to have about offensive line play and the development of it throughout your course of your career, whether it's just college or college to the NFL and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, when I was in college, we ran, I think my freshman year, our, your senior year, it was more, um, who was the OC? John Donovan, right? Donovan, yeah. That was more pro style. And then when you left, we went to uh, more of a uh, an RPO scheme, a lot of run, a lot of zone options, a lot of, uh, a lot of reads for the quarterback. And, you know, we had an athlete, a quarterback like um, Trace. Trace is an unbelievable athlete. Yeah. Um, when you have legs like him, you can you know, he's another running back on the field. And so it was, it was, uh, it was cool to have him at the quarterback position, uh, being able to move around the pocket and do what he does with his feet. And, uh, in terms we had Herb Hand my freshman year 
And he was a big, in terms of O-line play, he was a big vertical set guy when I was playing tackle. He told, it's, it's interesting to see how, how many people, how many coaches have different techniques when it comes to offensive line play. Some yeah. people, some people uh, teach the double hand punch. They tell you paint the W, which I think personally is stupid. Um, you know, it's, a, it's an easy way to get your get a double hand swipe and, you know, you don't hit anything. Uh, up here in Buffalo, we have Aaron Cromer, who's an unbelievable line coach. She teaches a lot of independent hand usage. And to be honest, I'll never, I would never not play. I would never two-hand punch ever again. The way Cromer teaches a line up here, it's all independent hand usage. You throw the inside hand, he swats that, you replace it with the right, drive him by. He teaches a thing called 60-40, where a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of old linemen, they teach you, you know, you have a post foot and a kick foot. And a lot of people teach it. If the defensive line makes inside move, you you want to go flat or up with your post foot. He teaches a thing called 60-40, where if someone makes inside move, you have 60, 60% of the weight on your backhand and 40% of the weight on your front hand. You, instead of staying in front of him, you just kind of wash him by. And so it's kind of opened up a whole new uh, world for me, uh, being this is my second year under Cromer um, with this technique. And from my experience, it's worked so much. Um, I'm kind of getting away from, I don't remember what the question was. I'm just kind of writing here. Yeah, no, but it, but like, so like, that's a, but you brought up a great point, right? Like you're talking about Cromer and technique and different things, like the development of an offensive lineman, like in college, right? Like you look at a guy like Olu that we have, you mentioned him before we got on here, you know, he's, he's, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Like how much better do you think Olu's going to get when he starts getting that in-depth coaching that I don't, I'm not saying you don't get in college, but I think it's a little bit further and few and far in between. Yeah. When it comes to when it comes to the type of in-depth development that the offensive lineman can really make once he gets to the NFL, and that's his only focus. Yeah. The biggest transition from high school to college was the sheer size. The sheer size of the competition you're going to be going against, how big the D-line is going to be, how big how big you have to be as an O-line. We discussed prior to getting on this call, you know, or right in the beginning of the call, I was 270 pounds when I got to college, and I was 300 pounds within a couple months. So that was, yeah. that was the thing going from high school to college. And when you go from college to the NFL, it just, you just refine your technique or get taught different technique of what, whatever you wind up going. Um, and it's more... In college and past pro, there wasn't a whole lot of mental gymnastics. They made it real easy for the O-line. They made it real easy in terms of protection, slide protection. Quarterback could flip the protection if he feels, you know, nickels capped on the other side of the field. He can flip the pro or he can just turn into a full slide. That's what college protection was. That's all it was. Uh, when he gets to the league, you know, we are in a, uh, for instance, us in Buffalo, we're, we're in like New England system. And so there's a lot of moving parts within our uh, protection, at least there was in the old regimen. Um, yeah. Simplify a little bit more, uh, but it's so much more intricate than college. And so when you have that transition from college to the pros, I think that's the biggest step is that mental step. Uh, understanding what defenses want to do, what defensive front sevens want to do in terms of, hey, third down, you know, you're going to get some sort of twist game. Um, how the defensive linemen, they play their gap. You get a more of an understanding that, and I really didn't fall into, I didn't really fully grasp what I'm talking about right now until about my second or third year in the league. I still, when I started to understand, oh, all defenses don't play the same. 
Yeah. <laughs> some are button press, some are penetrating defense, some are straight two gap where I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to grab two guys and you're going to have to move me. Yeah. And then linebackers, all the linebackers make the plays. And so it's that next, that's that next step up mentally is just understanding the way defenses do things. And that's helped me tremendously. And again, Aaron Cromer has done uh he is a big part of how I view defense and how I play football today because it's changed my game. Um, I mean, you win half the battle before you even start the battle, before you even start the war. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that's the biggest that's the biggest transition when you go from college to NFL, and then of course techniques everything. Um, but you're not going to get much bigger going from college to NFL. You know, high school was all you know gain weight, gain weight, gain weight, get strong, get strong, get strong. <laughs> It's more refining your your talents when you get to that next level. Yeah, tying the concepts to the technique. Yes, you know it's and then when you start adding like advanced algebra in there, when you're talking double sorts and three for three for four and two two backside big up, like when you start adding all that sh- all that stuff in there, it's like you know that's when you start seeing steam come out of guys' ears or guys pick it up like you and kind of how you're wired. It makes sense that that transition's happening because like game within the game. That's yeah. You get lost in it, and that's yes. that's. Awesome. It's very easy to get lost in it. Yeah, it's easy to overthink and try to, you know, over. You know, it's very easy to over overcomplicate things. Yeah. So so let's take that now back to back back home, right? Um, you've seen all the transition. I, I I don't expect you to have watched like a ton of Penn State football. You you were kind of busy throughout the year, but <laughs> if you can just comment on what you've seen lightly or whatever. Um, what do you think that transition has been like Yersich came in and I watched him throughout the year. He threw a lot of shit in there. They ran zone scheme. They ran gap scheme. Count, like they ran everything. Um, there was a lot of moving parts, a lot more than I think your traditional offense or like what Joe Moorhead did with you guys um, in terms of like tying concepts to the defense and like what the actual execution looks like. Right. There was a lot more of that mental side. And I think that this offensive line just looking back in terms of the overall development depth, the whole nine is one of the best that Penn state's been in that position in a, in a while, just depth overall, overall talent throughout the whole thing. Like, I think it's, I think it's getting back to where I, where I believe Penn state needs to be. And I think when you look at traditionally, it's, it's very similar to like how Alabama and Georgia and Michigan are now um, in terms of development, like just we're going to win the line of scrimmage. Let's just take that out of the equation before the ball is even put down on the tee to be kicked off. And then everything else will play out from there. So I think they're back on that track. But when when you're watching that and you're watching these other teams that are doing things like that, like I said, like the Michigans of the world and stuff like that, what do you think the biggest difference is um, from like a program that's at that level of dominance at the line of scrimmage and then potentially programs that are trying to get to that point? Tough question. I think a lot of it has to do with um, just the, the guys you have in the room in terms of the O-lines, the type of guys you have. Are they willing to work as a team? Are they willing to cooperate with each other? Um, and there's a level of trust that goes with it. Um, not only the college. I mean, that's just football in general. When it's, If you're playing peewee or in the NFL, it's a matter of trust. You can trust the guy next to you. Um, I, In my experience, a lot of the success that I've had in college and in the NFL has been the most dominant dominant offensive lines that I've been a part of, we've all been best friends. Like all the starting five, we were just like 
that was our click. Like that was like click's not the right word, but we were we were like that sacred. Say like again? that that room is sacred. sacred. Like the offensive yeah. line room is sacred, dude. Everybody else, like exactly. we, like we know we're gonna win the game up front. If we do our job, we're gonna win the game. Yeah. Um, and that's just that's just how that's football. Yeah. And I think I love the answer. I think it's the kind of guys you have in the room. And I think, especially in a college program, it's hard to give such, you know, they're all so young. Um, being in college, you have 18, 20-year-old guys um, putting a lot of responsibility on them. If, if they're able to act in a respectful way and be act as a professional, even though we're not pros. We're getting there. I think uh, you're getting there. I <laughs> I think uh, if if they're able to be treated like a pro and not act like a kid and not be treated like a kid, if that makes any sense. No, it makes total sense. I think it's – I mean, it just changes the whole chemistry in the room. If if the coach winds up talking to the players as a man as opposed to a child, where most college, most college um, coaches – and from my experience, they wind up kind of babying you almost a little bit where, again, we're 18, 19, 20 year old kids and who think we have it all figured out. And I get yeah. why, you know, act that way at a certain time. But if I if you can get the right people in the room to act the right way, that's half the battle. That's awesome. I hope anyone listening to that, that's fantastic, because that it almost it's, it has nothing to do with football. Like at that point, nothing to do with football, nothing no. to do with football. And that's that's the best part about it. And like I said, that's where I've looked at Penn State as a whole right now from a program standpoint. And we, we did talk about this. Like talent is not the issue that it, it's almost more of the mentality and mindset. Right. And it's like getting the right getting the right mindset in terms of when you're playing Michigan. It's not like we're going to play this game conservative. Fuck that. We're going to go out, win this game because we we're better and like believe it and like act it the way you call the game the way you manage the game, that's it. Same thing in that room. Like, I think back, you know, probably my most talented offensive line in college was my freshman year, and it was Ty Howe, John Urschel, Miles Diefenbach, Donovan Smith, and the right tackle was either uh, Gary Gilliam or Brian Gress, who uh, passed away and tragically. But it's like – the. That group was exactly what you said. Like the first time when I got on campus my in the summer, like Ty invited me over to the house. It was that whole crew hanging out. That's who I ingratiated myself with. And, they, you know, like I say, like the offensive linemen, it's a sacred room, man. Like it's it's they're the best. They're the funnest to hang out with by far. <laughs> and um, it has nothing to do with football. And that's no. the best part about it. Nothing to do with football. So that's a good transition point, dude. So now, you know, like I said, we we talked a little technique. We dove into it a little bit, got a little nerdy. Um, but let's just talk Penn State high level, bring it home here. You know, give us some war stories. I want to give you a chance. We talk about this all the time with guys, that former Letterman that we've had on here. You know, we use this as like a, as a platform for you guys to give your state of the program, what you hope to see, reflect on some of your playing days and, and you know, the overall goal of the program and how you see it and where you think we fit especially with all this stuff coming in, you know, you got Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA coming into the big 10 and the whole landscape of college football is all over the place. So 
kind of kind of give you the floor here and we can rip um you know i know i got a couple when you guys were puppies you know hosting you guys in the frat houses on your visits and stuff like that that were probably pretty fun and um but i remember you know, i remember my uh official visit and i think you you took us out and uh i think my noah bay was my uh my host we went out to the frats i remember we went to one frat and they wouldn't let us in. They were being just douchebags and we're leaving. And the one, there was one dude with like a second story, third story window. And I remember so vividly because I was just like, wow, he was talking shit to you. And I remember you just picked up a snowball, whipped it at him right in the face from like <laughs> 30 yards. It was, I was like, that was like, that was that was that was a cool first. That was my first memory of Penn State. That my first time I stepped on campus. That was the first thing I remember. Um, that was my official visit. Penn, I had a great time at Penn State. I have I've had so much fun my three and a half years there. Yeah, we had such a good O line room. Just the team in general. We had such a good team. Such good people on our team. Um, yeah. Shit, war stories. Yeah, well, I mean, you came from because like that class like you, you played at archbishop wood right yeah so and then coop came right you you yeah, and coop came right? we went to high school together we went to we wound up going to college together which was cool yeah. uh, that was that whole class was filled with unbelievable talent with saquon Irvin yes. Trump, kevin givens a lot yeah. of people Playing the league right now. In there, yeah, that, I mean that class. Like I said, like you guys were puppies when I was there, and it was just that was like my favorite thing was watching was, you guys and going like he's going to develop. Like Juwan, Juwan Johnson was in that class. Like you start going down the line, and guys who've played for are still playing and playing for a long time. Like they're, it took a little while for some it of did, them. It did. But it took, I mean, shit. I look back to college film now. Like I'll bullshit and put on some, you know, I'll go on Twitter or find some old clips of me in college, and I look back to it and I'll I'll think to myself like, what the f- was I doing? Like I I look like a, I look like I'm playing with like one leg out there. It just compared to where you are now, where like you know I refine my technique and I get better, and it's just it's night and day, and it's just funny to think because I remember being at that time in college, like wow these guys are so fast, so strong, and then. Going to the NFL and playing in the NFL, you put a film on college film. It's like wow, they look, they look like they're moving in slow motion. And I remember when I first like noticed that, and it just kind of blew my mind how big of a transition it is. Um, I'm kind of ranting here now. Oh yes, Big Ten championship game. We uh, that was my favorite memory um, in college, going over there in Indiana playing at the, um, the Colt Stadium. For the Big Ten Championship, that was a unbelievable experience. I got to go against T.J. Watt and Vince Beely, two really good players. I don't know if you've ever heard of T.J. Watt. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before. Yeah, I just, yeah, uh, just kicked my ass the first couple of drives. Um, <laughs> I did not know what I was in for until those first couple of drives. And then I started to understand what he was doing, gather myself, and you know regroup. Um, that's half the battle. Yeah. Um, but unbelievable experience. We wound up going to play in the Rose Bowl right after that in Pasadena. Um, so cool to be a part of that. Uh, and 
and um, that whole week really it was just so much fun, cool experience. Um, I actually tore my calf in the Rose Bowl game. That's a fun fact. I tore my yeah. calf right before halftime, and I was told it was just a bruise. And then next year, why does my calf look like this? <laughs> Never healed properly. That's uh, a fun yeah. fact. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that year, the whole 2016 year, that was, I really thought that was the year we were going to go to the playoffs and have an opportunity to go to the championship game. That was, uh, that was the one year where I thought, like, we have it all. We have the world by the balls. We can do whatever we want. We talked about that with Kabinda. You guys had the mentality for that, too. Like, you guys, like, what we, what we talked about, the biggest difference is, I think, with Penn State right now and where they, where they can make the biggest strides. It was, I feel like, and I, I, I gave a ton of credit to Moorhead. Like, I, I love more. I yeah. love more. I just thought the way he presented himself and the way he acted, you guys played like that. And I think that's like a beautiful thing when you have your offensive coordinator who has a certain mentality, like Ole Miss did it. Like Ole Miss plays how Lane Kiffin acts. He's a troll on Twitter who's confident in exactly what he's doing every step of the way. And Absolutely. almost to the point where he's blind about it. Like I don't I don't really care about anything else. Like I know I'm doing the best thing possible. <laughs> like Moorhead had that. So we took shots like nobody else. We oh, we threw the ball down the field and made so many plays. We would score forty points a game. I think yeah. our that was our average. I think we averaged forty points a game. We were the most explosive offense in college football. Yeah, with unbelievable receivers: Deshaun Ham, Mike Jasicki, Jawan Johnson, uh, Saeed Chris. Black. You guys had Chris too. Chris Godwin. <laughs> Trying to think about Chris. <laughs> yeah, so much yeah. talent. So All much. Right. So what are you looking forward to with Penn State here now moving forward? You you talked about it a little bit before we got on, just the transition into the Big Ten. Um, the offensive line, what you expect out of those guys, kind of bringing that back to this thing. But um, yeah, I have a, uh, I have a lot of respect for Trout Wine, the all line coach there, and I hope he um, he's there to come for the next couple of years. When we, re- you know, especially coming into this next, this next year, we have how many teams now in the Big Ten? Uh, it's I I, I, I lose. So um, we need O line more than ever. Um, I mean, you we, we talked before we got on the podcast. It was starts up front, it ends up front. That, that's that's how you win games. Uh, if you can have a run game, it makes winning the game so much easier. Makes quarterback's job easier. <laughs> and so when you have an offensive line coach that has had so much success, you know, even when he was in Boston College. I think um, he does a great job in developing offensive linemen. And it just goes to show how the O-line performed this year. Um, and have, you know, the left tackle coming out in the draft. I think he's, he's supposed to be the number one left tackle um, off the board. And uh, I think if he can, if he continues that, that track of, you know, getting O-linemen, developing them, I think there's, no, there's nobody Penn State can't handle. Because we have skill guys. You have everybody. You have all the was it the quarterback Drew Aller? He's a great young quarterback. I've I have I watched um, a couple of games this year, and I think he's got so much potential. I think he's hell of a talent. We've talked and, about that. People people expect that growth trajectory to be so fast, and like it's not, you, you can't rush that things like that. You can't. It, it happens when it happens, really. Um, but he's so talented, and I saw so much potential from him this year. Yeah. Uh, and when we have an when you have an offensive line 
when you have a quarterback like that and you put a good old line in front of him, there's not anything you there's not anybody you can't beat. Yeah. And I know we have unbelievable running backs there too with uh I believe it's Nick Singleton and uh yeah. yeah. So I mean I have a lot of hopes for Penn State for this upcoming season and in the future. And I hope uh Franklin does a good job of beating those teams you have to beat. Yeah, man. We all we all hope for that, Batesy. So, all right, brother. I appreciate it. Hell of a season. I know you don't want to hear it, but like I said, it's hard to win in that league. Um, you guys got a pretty good quarterback up there yourself. So, um, stick with it. Enjoy the off season. Safe travels. And when you're back down here, holler at me sometime. We'll go grab a beer. Come I love you. that. All right, man. Appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for appreciate having me. Coming out of that, Bates B, you had some work obligations, so I ran that one. Uh, not much to be said, man. He's he's the epitome of a Penn State offensive lineman. I uh, got a ton of respect for what he's doing, got a ton of respect for his career, got a ton of respect for the way he carries himself and talks about the position. So um, I hope you guys got everything out of that that I did. I really enjoyed that segment. So, Yes, sir. And I think that, that'll wrap it up for another episode of The Pocket. That no will do, B. Um <laughs> What are we doing next? Are we gonna are we gonna go to your your side of the ball here? We're gonna go, go to my side. We're gonna go to my side. We're gonna go to my realm, my world, the LB world. I think that's where we're gonna take it. You know, take another step to the second level of the defense. You know, we, we started in the trenches, as we said. Take it to the second level, and we go LBs before we switch back over to offense. Um, maybe what running backs, QBs, tight ends. We'll worry about that later. But uh, yeah. Yeah, we got some time to think on that. We'll go LBs, get one of our XLBs in here, talk the game, and um, see what's what's hopeful moving forward in the uh, Penn State linebacker room, man. We got some guys leaving. Hopefully have uh, go on to make great careers in the NFL, but it's about, you know, opportunity is now here. We always said it. So opportunity is there for a lot of guys, and I'm excited to see how that plays out. Yeah, man, we got some good pieces. So I'm looking forward to this one. Um Hope again. I hope. I hope this offensive line breakdown turned out good. Like I said, it's it's a it's a unique bird. It's its own thing. And then you know, I'm I'm I am excited about this linebacker core this year. Got some good pieces coming back. We got some guys leaving, but we got some good pieces coming back. And you know, I'm excited to get some outside perspective on it from yeah you know, a former another former guy. You're you're obviously fantastic. I'm not I'm not taking that. <laughs> we'll get we'll get somebody a little bit more closer uh, in relevance and playing yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll tease that out there. But um, with that being said, as always, make sure you guys are giving us a follow, listen, like, subscribe, pass on to your friends, tell them what we're doing. Um, we're trying to bring you guys the best Penn State content there is from guys who lived it, played it, breathed it, bled on that field, sweat on that field, the whole nine. So um, here at State Media, that's, that's our goal, and we're going to continue to push this stuff out. Make sure you give State Media a follow. Make sure you give the Mothership Mercury a follow. You guys can check out our merch. I know that, you know, this offseason, Christmas time's already over. But, hey, dude, spring's coming around, spring ball, spring game. You know, it's there's always a good time to go out there and pick out some Nittany Lion gear from 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 our from our merch store. So um, do that. Or if you're an avid listener of the, of the pocket, hit some of that pocket gear up, dude. You know, we're, we're, we're all for that. So we appreciate it. And uh, as always, we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.